Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. We rejoice and we're glad in it. Thank you, Lord, that we're in the house of God, that we have a seat, oh God, amongst your people, something we don't take lightly, Lord. We consider it honor and privilege to hear your voice, to be amongst the men and women who love you, boys and girls that are growing up to be world changers. We pray that your word would be loud and be clear, O Lord, that it not be men's opinion and the wit of human philosophy, O God, but it would be your word as a lamp unto our feet that we might grow spiritually, O Lord, by this heavenly food, the living bread that today we decide, Father God, that we have come to eat from. For you have said that man shall not eat by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Thank you for a spiritual existence and life. Thank you for peace and joy in your purpose. Give us a heart to honor you and to live, giving you our best. Be glorified, be exalted. Be lifted up in our midst, O God, and bring all men to you that we might take God serious. Our sons and daughters might love, love you and learn to walk in your ways and be trained up, Father God, to be overcomers in this world. Bless your word and let it not return void. Let it be a light unto our feet, a light unto our path, a lamp, O God. Let it be a good seed planted in good hearts that would bring forth a good harvest to glorify our Father who's in heaven. Father, we repent and ask you to forgive us our sins, that nothing would be an obstacle to receiving you and walking in your ways strongly, courageously, forcefully, deliberately. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Last week we spent some time talking about evil revealed, and we pulled back the mask on Satan. And, and truly, uh, the Lord was able to show us that reality. The biggest deception in the world are people that think the devil doesn't exist. Or think that he's not about uh, destroying. John 10.10 10 says that he comes not but to um, kill, steal, and destroy. The thief does not come. He's not present in anything he's doing unless he's bringing damage on the area. We're not to feel sorry for him because he wants to take us prisoner. He wants to take us and steal from us our parents. He wants to steal marriages. He wants to steal family. He wants to steal finances. Everything he could get his hands on, he wants to take. He wants to kill. He wants to destroy. Instead of us thinking we're fighting flesh and blood, we have to know we're fighting this satanic host, principalities and powers. But Jesus has come, and that's what we said on Wednesday. While we talked about the devil last Sunday, our focus is not the devil. We know, we acknowledge him, we see, we know what he's about, but our focus and our center is on Jesus. Our God is the one that runs our lives. The devil does not. Uh, we, we have no, he has nothing on us. We don't take his phone calls. We don't cater to his thoughts. Uh, the fiery darts that he throws in our direction are extinguished by the shield of faith, the Bible says, the armor of God. So we have put him out of our lives totally. He doesn't have anything to do it. The blood of Jesus is upon us now, and we have been purchased. We belong wholly to the Lord. 
Um, and Jesus comes that we might have this life. People don't even have know what life is. And that we might have it more abundantly. So if you have a car, God wants you to have two cars. So you could give one away. He wants you to have four cars. He wants you to give three away. He wants you to have the ability to bless other people. And if you were a Christian, you would say amen. We have one. Uh, but this abundant life is so that we can share it. This abundant life is supposed to be one where the resources you have are to be given. If I had a cow, they say that a cow gives forth about 15 gallons of milk a day. So I would only be able to drink one. My kids would probably drink three. But uh, I still have 12 left over. So I would go to the neighbor and, and give them milk. So that everything that God has given us in abundance is so that we share. And that who gets the glory? God gets the glory. God is the one that your abundance, the people are like, hey, how do you make it, man? You say, I have a God that blesses everything I do. The, the God that I serve, he blesses me all year long so that I can rejoice with a great harvest. So we know that the devil comes to kill, to steal, to destroy. God comes to give you life and abundance. You could tell the people that have a lot of God in their life, their face shows it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hand. Okay, so we know, we know that that salvation is real. And you can see it on some people's face. When you see somebody sucking a lemon, you know the devil got some. They're, they're like, and, and it's like, sister, you're sucking a lemon again. You've you got to get the joy of the Lord here um, and, and quit your sorrows because you're, you're, not, you're not walking in God's goodness. So we know that for a fact. And some people, when I became a Christian, they're like, no, they're lying to you, man. They're brainwashing you. I said, like, brother, listen, not only brainwashing me, they're all washing me from head to foot. I, I need a full body wash. Uh, not only a brainwash, uh, but I, wa I want to have the thoughts of God. Because if you have the thoughts of God, you walk in God's ways. Second um, Corinthians 2.11, we said, we don't want the devil to take advantage of us. He's not supposed to be ahead of us. He's not supposed to slither and take prominence and leadership. Uh, we're not ignorant of his devices. There's nothing more tricky than the devil. There's nothing more sinister and deceptive. He's the father of all liars. And, and so we're, we're not, we don't think we're dealing with just anybody. We got to be super careful. The devil's strategy um, is to show us these false visions. Now, you see a lot of young girls, they're like, they see themselves never married. Oh, I'm not talking about my nieces now. My nieces are like, man, we're on every one of your preachings. Uh, a single woman has seen herself never married, but a wise woman who's single is already seeing God's faithfulness. She sees her marriage. She sees her house. She sees her children. She sees God's goodness. So nothing makes her suck the gutter. Nothing makes her leave the castle. She's waiting on the goodness of the Lord. Why? Because she sees it. She has faith. Faith is the substance of the things you hope for, the evidence of things not seen. You see it. So the devil in his devices wants you to see what is not from God. He wants to see a vision. You see yourself. You see life. You're seeing something that 
is not, it's not what God wants. It's something that's a lie. So it's moving you in the direction of the devil's manipulation or influence. We're not, we're not ignorant of his devices. If, if faith comes by seeing what God has for you, by, by hearing of his word, faith comes and you see what God... Listen, way before I was a preacher, way before I was a world changer, the Lord told me. This is the, first, the very first verse that God gave me when I was 16 years old. 1 Corinthians 2.9. Look what it says. It is written, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, has not entered the heart of man, the things God has ready for those who love him. So way before Spring of Life was born, I already saw that God wanted to change the world. He wanted to use me in a vision that would be amazing. So people are like, oh, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't believe it. So the ones that didn't see it, they're not partaking. But the ones who saw it, and a lot of these guys were 14 and 15. And they saw it and they said, Pastor, I want to be a part of it. Somebody like, like Pastor Richie, 73, he sees it now. It hasn't happened in its fullness. But he says, I see it. I finally see it. I didn't see it for 20 years, but I see it now. And, and some person who's on the other side of the state, he's coming with a fury. And he's coming fast. Partly because he knows he only has a couple years left. Some of you think, oh, I'm going to be around here. If it happens, I'll be a part of it. No, listen to me. It's coming. And if you see it, you get prepared. Because you're going to participate in a manner. There are some of the little boys back in Sunday school that are 5 and 10 years old and tell me, Pastor, when I grow up, I'm going to be a doctor and a pastor. I'm going to be a lawyer and a pastor. I'm going to be a race car driver and a pastor. They want to do everything, but they want to be a pastor too because they want to be part of God's game plan. So if you see it, you want to be a part of it. The devil doesn't want you to see it. We're going to call it vision. And then God says, be careful because eyes have not seen the things I've prepared for those who love me. And so here we, we have two. You got to capture this because we got to go fast now. One aspect of not seeing is that you're blind. And one aspect of seeing is that you can see what nobody could see. And, and, and conversations with my niece, they were like, but how do you see that these guys are no good for us? I was like, because I got vision. And I know if you don't have finance, there's no romance. <laughs> see, I can see that. And, and unless you want to not have food to eat. Okay, now we're going to get past this. Ready? But I, I just want you to get it. If you don't see, you're blind. If you see, you have vision. And so it's good. I, I got a phone call from Pastor Medieros in Mexico. And he said like this. He says, Pastor, we just had a little boy in our church who was born deaf. And he couldn't speak. And we prayed for him. And the Lord gave, healed his hearing. And he began to speak. And you might think, wow, that was great. Little, five years old. He had never spoken. He had never heard anything. And now he was listening and now he was speaking. And you would think that pastor, I would, I would like, yoo-hoo. I didn't. I said, listen, 
don't freak out at a five-year-old that was born deaf and dumb that couldn't speak, that now he hears and could speak. Freak out that everybody could hear and they don't listen. Freak out that we all have eyes and we can't see what God wants to show us. So the travesty in our world is not to see a rehabilitated deaf child begin to hear. And listen, his mom took him to school and registered him. And the the school knew because he was born in that neighborhood, oh, he can't come here because we're not a deaf school. And she says, no, 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 Jesus just healed him, and he hears. And he signed up for school, and he couldn't even walk. All his muscles, it was a horrible, he was in a wheelchair. He started walking. When he started, bro- uh, um, when he started running, both of his bones, they, they broke. They had to put two cat- casts all the way up because he wasn't only walking, he wanted to run. So they put the cast on. He's walking, running. He's flirting with girls. He's talking. He's, he's just a mess. But anyways, <laughs> we'll leave it at that. But I, I told, I told Medieros, don't freak out at that God heals a deaf man. Freak out of all the congregation that has ears and doesn't listen. And has eyes and don't see. So there, we, we, we don't, sometimes we read the Bible and we don't see 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. He gives us the answer of how to overcome evil and the devil. And he says this is by being sober and vigilant. Now, sober means that you not be emotional. Listen, some of us like to to drink or smoke or we, we have issues that cause our imbalance emotionally. But, but some of us emotionally don't drink or smoke, but we're worse than a drug addict and an alcoholic because our emotions carry us, you know, and we're like, ah, everybody loves me. Ah, nobody loves me. And you're like, you're a psychopath. <laughs> you're being swayed. And the Bible says, quit being swayed because the devil's going to take advantage of you if you're an easily swayed person. So be sober and be vigilant. That means open up your eyes. Well, pastor, I, I have them open. No, I'm not talking about your physical eyes. I'm talking about your spiritual vision. Because the devil wants to take that from you. And if you don't have any, it says be vigilant because your adversary. Well, I don't have an adversary. The devil, the Bible has to write it in there. Or else you're like, I don't know what the, the devil is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So I'm going I'm to go, go like this. If you're emotionally swayed and you're not part of anything and you're a part of everything and you don't, you're just all over the place. You're not, you're not sober. And then... You're not vigilant. The devil has you, my friend. The devil has you if you don't have vision. And so that's why some of you have to be concerned to listen to this, to this service. He wants us to be sober and vigilant. We're going we're gonna to press on this thing about having a roadmap, a vision for a world changer. The Bible says in verse 9 that... If we don't have vigilance and we're not sober, if we don't resist him and are steadfast in our faith, a vision allows you to resist the devil. A vision allows you to say, devil, I'm not what you want me to be. 
Because you know what God wants. You're seeing what God wants. So you're able to tell the devil, I'm not interested in what you want because I'm seeing something else. You're not going to give me a false image. Uh, You're not going to give me blurred vision, distorted vision. When, when, the, when the spies came over to the promised land and they saw the enemy, they said like this. Their vision was skewed. They said they were like giants and we were like ants. Listen, they had the wrong vision. If they were to have Caleb's vision, he says, listen, those giants are going to fall because God's going to destroy them. See, that's good vision. You had 10 spies saying we're like ants and they were like giants. And you had two guys that were filled with the spirit of God, spirit of excellence. They had vision. They said, look, if God said it, we see it, it's a done deal. That, that's the difference. So if you, you can resist the devil if you're seeing with clarity. If you're not seeing with clarity, you're, you're taken for a loop. A steadfast, that means you're, you're solid in your faith. If you don't have a good vision, your faith is all over. You're languering everywhere, knowing that these sufferings experienced by, by, uh, by believers in the whole world, we're, we're, we're going through the same um, challenges in our faith. You, you'll see what God says in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, that he will do nothing unless he... It shows the trailer of the coming events. This is God. He's way before you come into anything God has for you. He surely does nothing unless he reveals. The word reveal is come to light. Is to show forth to the eyes. He pulls back the curtain. He's not going to allow you to go into a trap. Way before you go into anything God has for you, you see it. I'm going to give this illustration because it's a great illustration. There was a man who was very wealthy. He wanted to take his kids to a park, primarily his daughters. He wanted to take them on weekends to a theme park, but there was no theme park available. So he started diagramming this place called Disney World. And he went to New York and got a huge loan, and he got architects, and, and he designed it, and he built it, and, and he got a huge money, and he started Disney World. And this is what, what some people says, man, he died before he even saw it. And somebody says, no, he saw it even before it was built. He saw it long before it was opened. So that's the thing with vision, that you can see things before they happen. Let's go back to Amos chapter 3, verse 7. He says, God is going to do nothing unless he shows it first. These hidden things to his servants to those men of God, to the women of God. And I want you to be one of those servants of the Lord. One of the servants of the Lord that you can see and, and, and you say that you want to be part of a spring of life and, and be a world changer and you still haven't read the vision of this church. You've been sitting here for months and some of you for years and some of you for a bunch of years and you don't even know what we're doing in this place. It's right here. It was written from the very beginning April 6, 1998, 20 years ago, the uh, Lord spoke to me at night with my wife. We're sitting in bed, and the Lord says, I'm with you. Get up and go. And I told my wife, I said, Lord is calling us. And a friend of mine who owned a newspaper company, he says, Pastor Joaquin, we know that you're serious about God. You've always been serious in the Lord. Can you write down what the Lord is showing you? I said, sure. And I sat down, and I grabbed a pen. And I said, this is what the Lord is showing This is what I see. I wrote this thing down, and he published it in a newspaper. 
So it was April 1998. It's published in the newspaper. And then for some time, we just kept on going in the direction of the call of God for this church. Seven years, we were celebrating our seventh anniversary. We pull it out. We start reading it. We say, holy mackerel, everything that's written here is what's happening. Ten years go by, and we pull out the vision, and we read it again, and we're like, wait a second. This is, this is going to happen. Twenty years. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary. God, before Spring of Life existed, before any of us were sitting down changing the world, there's a vision about what these people are who gather in a place called Spring of Life. We, we didn't know. Look what it says in, in Proverbs 14. This is super powerful because God's plans are way before any of us were here. It's super powerful. Proverbs 14, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a spring of life. The name of this church are a people that want to walk in the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom, because it delivers us from the snares of death. We don't want to have the consequences of not listening to God. And so God reveals what he has for us. You do well in printing this out. If you don't have a copy of this, please get one before you leave the church today. Make it your own. Own, own the vision of this church. Teach it to your children so when you're not here, your children are hitting the bullseye. They're not, they're not drifting over and sucking the gutter somewhere. They're walking in excellence. They're walking in, in the way that they're trained up to go. The Bible says if you train up a child in the way he should go, when he grows old, he won't depart. Amen. What happens with the adults that have departed? They have forsaken the vision. They never partook in the vision. They didn't have a vision. They didn't see it. And so the Bible says, be vigilant so the devil doesn't have a grip on you. Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, Abraham has a vision. Before Abraham was even Israel and the, the people of faith, he says, um, these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. You're telling me that you're walking with no vision? You're not a part of anything that God is doing upon the earth? And, and you can't be a part of a vision if you're not faithful to a vision first. You, you need to be faithful. These things, the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, don't be afraid. I'm going to protect you as a shield and I'm going to give you great, your exceedingly great reward. And he begins to show him everything that God would do in his life in the son of his um, in, in, in the life of his uh, grandson Jacob, Genesis 28, 12, Jacob is sitting, he's wondering where he's at, and the Lord shows him a vision. And he sees angels coming up and angels coming down. He has a vision and he sees a ladder going up to heaven and he sees the ladder with the angels coming down. And, and he can see what God is doing upon the earth through spiritual eyes that God is showing him. In Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, Joseph sees a dream. And in his vision, in his dream, his brothers are serving him. He's second in command over Egypt, and he's saying them. And he says, Joseph had a vision, a dream. He told it to his brothers, and they hated him for it. They hated him even more. People get angry. When my kids started going to a certain uh, Christian school in town, and, and they're like, oh, uh, 
your dad's dreaming things that he shouldn't be dreaming. And they came home and they said, Dad, they think you're crazy. And I said, you never, you, you never fault a blind man for what he doesn't see. If they can't see it, that's not my problem. They just, you, you guys have compassion on these blind people. They can't see what God is doing. I want to tell you now, now they see it. Because they have 75 little kids that are world changers in their school. And they're sharp as a tack. They're smart as a whistle. And they're, they're world changers. So uh, it was a time they were blind, but now they see. Now the issue is, God, I don't want the devil to have a grip on me. Show me. Open my eyes, Lord. And so you'll see, and I, I just did this real quickly, but the devil is an, a, a very astute figure. Numbers 12, 6, the Bible says, if ever I send a messenger among you, if ever, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I'm, I'm going to speak about what I want for, for my people through a vision that I show them. I'll speak to him in a dream. We, we can't make light of the fact that we're living. When I was talking to a man a couple of weeks ago, he's a multi-millionaire. He's made so much money. He's built thousands upon thousands of home and projects and building and skyscrapers. He made so much money. And I told him, yeah, but you didn't have a vision. You, you didn't know where you were going with all that money and all that hard work and all that. You had no direction. So guess what? He lost it all. When you don't have a vision, you don't know where you're going. You don't know where to direct your efforts. You're just one of the, one of the uh, names for a son of a devil is a wanderer. You're just going about with no purpose, with no directions. The same thing as the word orphan. You don't know where you're going. You don't know where you're coming. You don't belong to a family, my friend. You should further the vision of your family. Amen. How are you going to be... Going to the world and furthering the crapola that this world has for us. So God is going to speak to us. He's going to give us a vision. He's going to give us direction. It brings confidence, clarity. It allows us to be founded in character. But more, the Bible says be vigilant because you're devil. Get a vision and the devil can't mess with you. Because when he's showing you something else, you're like, no, that's not what God has shown me. I'm not going in that direction. Don't be showing me stuff. You're not my tour guide. I've already seen what God has shown me. And here Paul writes to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1.18, and he says, Timothy, my son, I'm giving you this command that lines up with the prophecies. What's something prophetic is something that you can see coming to place before it happens. According to the prophecy made concerning you. Because if you have this as your weapon, you might wage good warfare. You, you're going to have ammunition that you can fight against the devil. If, if the devil's showing you something that's not what God shows you, you call him a liar. You're telling him, get thee behind me, Satan. You have nothing on me. You can't speak into my life. This is what God has said. Amen. This is what God has shown me. This is what I know and I'm waiting for. And those who wait upon the Lord will not be ashamed. They know that God has already revealed to them what they're to do. And he says, if you hold on to these prophecies, the things that were previously made known to you, 
about you, then the devil can't mess with you. Verse 19, those who have forsaken their vision, having faith and a good conscience. If you reject that, concerning the faith, some have suffered shipwreck. If you're not having clarity, you're going to run into the ground. You're going to go in a direction that's not what God had planned in his timing and in his ways. This is called a horrific self-image. This is what the devil does. He makes us to see ourselves in the light of his lies. He makes you see a vision of yourself that's not consistent with what God sees. Matthew 13, 14, he says they have eyes, but they don't see. Have ears, but they don't hear. They're fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy, hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing the things are happening right before your eyes, and you cannot perceive them. You don't see yourself as a part of what's going on. Isaiah 6, verse 10, he says, These people who cannot see what God is doing, their heart is insensitive. The heart of these people is dual. That means it's hardened. Their ears are heavy. They don't listen. Their eyes are shut. Because if their eyes would see and their ears would hear, they would understand with their heart and return to be part of this thing, part of what God is doing, and be healed. The devil can't bring stench on you if there's clarity, if there's wholesomeness. I want to suggest that all the things that happen to people who don't have a healthy self-image, they don't see themselves healthy, drug addiction, prostitution, mental disorders, anxiety, stress, loneliness, depression, problems with friendship, problems with their marriage relationships, all because they don't see. And it's the husband's, the, the husband's job to tell his wife what God is seeing what God is showing him about her so the devil can't attack, attack her. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, we see the devil telling the woman, open your eyes and look in this direction. Listen to me. The devil wants to show you something twisted and distorted about the future. The woman saw that the tree was good for food. It was pleasant to the eyes. It was desirable to make you wise. She took of it and ate. What if she would have seen what was going to happen after her eating the apple? If she was to see one of her sons kill the other son, you think how many things she would eat the apple? No. If she was watching with her eyes open what would happen after death comes, they would kick out of the garden. They, they, they would, you know, they would have to take on fig coverings. If she would have seen all these things in understanding, she would not have eaten. But her her eyes were directed by Satan to see something else. Be careful when the devil is your tour guide. Leviticus 21.20, there was a prohibition. You were not allowed to be amongst God's leaders if you were blind. How many want a blind leader? No, my friend. This was the law that they gave the, 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 the priestly um, tribe of Leviticus, they said he can't be a hunchback, he can't be overweighed with his own personal problems, he can't be a dwarf, and nano means that he refuses to grow, he doesn't want to take responsibility, he wants to stay small, uh, a man who has a defect in his eye, 
And you're like, why does God keep blind people out? Because when you go to do a circumcision and you can't see, you're going to castrate somebody. I'll say that again. When you're going to be doing a circumcision, if you don't have clarities of eyes, you're going to chop somebody's family jewels. That doesn't make for a good leader. That you're into it to, to just chop off what is not to be chopped off. Um, the, these rules against leadership. In fact, one of the rules to be a leader in the New Testament is to know how to find the way. Then your eyes are open to lead. And he says, the, the leaders of my people, the Jewish people, they are uh, the blind leading the blind. Matthew 15, 14. Let them alone. They are blind leaders. They only lead blind people. And if the blind lead the blind, both of them fall in a ditch. If you're following somebody who's not seen what God wants to show, you are going to be horrifically dispossessed of the blessing of God. That's the first thing that happened in Samson's life. As soon as they grabbed him and captured him in Judges chapter 16, verse 21, the Bible says that the Philistines grabbed Samson, this huge, muscular, ruler, prince, leader. And the first thing the devil does is poke out his eyes. Poke out his eyes. And your pastor, how could they poke out his eyes? The same way your eyes are being poked out when you don't listen to your parents. You're like, what's that mean? Yeah, the devil wants to keep you from seeing so he could take advantage of you. They brought him to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and they took him as a prisoner to the grinder. You're going to be working for the devil. And you're like, why am I going to be working for the devil? Because you refuse to see God. You're not open to seeing how God wants to use you, so the devil takes advantage. Proverbs 20, 20 says, he who fails to listen to his father and doesn't honor his mother, he's a cursing his father and mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. You can't even see the way you're going. It's almost like driving at night without headlights. You're going over the cliff, my friend. You will hit a tree because you refuse to see what God wants to show you. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, Jesus is tempted three times. First time he wants, the, the, he, uh, Jesus was led by the Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2, he says, when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he grew hungry. Afterwards, verse 3, now the tempter came to him saying, if you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Look, if, if you're in a spiritual battle and you can't see the devil trying to trick you, you can use the word of God for some light. Verse 4, Jesus said, it is written. Let me bring some light into this. The word of God is lamp unto my feet, light unto my path. Man shall not live by bread alone. This is not the time for me to eat bread. But I'm, I'm being nourished by the words that are coming out of God's mouth. I'm, I'm seeing something else. Verse 5, the devil took him to a holy city, set him high on the temple, and showing him something else. Verse 6, he said, if you're the son of God, throw yourself. Now he's going to use the word of God. It is written, the angels will have charge over you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus says, no, it's written, you're not going to tempt the Lord your God. Devil, don't move me. I'm seeing everything clearly. You keep, on, you keep on jabbing and throwing punches, but I see them coming, and I'm moving out of the way. 
I'm not letting you show me the direction. I have a direction. I listen to God. I'm in fellowship. Verse 9, um, he says, no, verse 8, I'm sorry. He took them then to a high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. Look, look everything I have for you. You can say, devil, you're a liar. You never give anything good without consequences. And he says like this, verse 9, he says, I will give all these to you if you bow down and worship me. Verse 10, Jesus says, it is written, away with you, Satan. My focus is on the Lord God and only on him am I going to serve. Why are you throwing all these darts in different directions to try to make me lose my footing? I need to see God or I'm going to miss out. I'm going to miss out what God has for me. So you see that, that having clarity of a vision, the devil's going to show you a high mountain. He's going to show you the glories of the world. He's going to show you bread that could turn into uh, stone that could turn into bread. What, verse Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people, they stop paying the price. When people don't have understanding and vision of spiritual things, they cast off restraint. The Bible says that Jesus, because he was seeing the victories to come, he paid the price on the cross. If you just see the cross, you're like, no way, buddy, I'm not going to get crucified. Jesus had his eyes on the other side of the cross. All of you guys would be saved. So the devil is like, don't go to the cross. He goes, no, 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 devil, get behind me. I'm seeing what's on the other side of the cross. I'm seeing the forgiveness of sin. I'm seeing the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Happy is he who keeps the law. But Pastor, why am I waiting? Because you're waiting for a good thing. But Pastor, why is it taking so long? Because it's really good. But Pastor, but listen, if you pay the price, you better have a vision for what's coming. Because if you don't have a vision, you're going to sell out early. You're going to give up. You're going to throw in the towel. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. The people perish for lack of vision. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. He says that uh, this prophet was crying out to God, How long, Lord? How long will I sit there and wait upon you and everything's upside down and you won't show up? He's saying, Habakkuk, if I were to tell you what's going to happen, you wouldn't believe it. So go and write this down. He's, he's throwing a, a, a pity party. Everything is a wreck. There, there's no righteousness. God doesn't show up. Chapter 2, verse 1, he says, okay, I'm going to go sit up on a high place. And I'm going to stand my watch and set myself on the highest part of the city to watch what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. And the Lord is watching him saying, okay, you're sitting now on a high place. You're going to need a higher place. Well, what's a higher place than a high place? A vision. To see what God sees. To allow him to show it to you. What he's prepared for you. Verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. Then the Lord answered and says, write the vision. Make it plain. That he, might, he who reads it might run after it. See, a vision will sustain you in a time where there is no understanding. A vision will give you strength and rejoice when everything is out on your luck. You hold on to the vision. It's written down. You know what God has. I'm going to tell you a secret. 
This is a secret. 20 years ago, I was a youth pastor of a youth group here in town. And I had been a youth pastor for five years, and it came the time that they would sit me down, me and Yvette. Yvette and I were, were pastoring the youth group. And they sat us down, and Pastor Richie prayed over us. And he says, Lord, this will not be the last time that we see Pastor Joaquin. For what you have planned for him, we're all going to see with our eyes, and we will all rejoice in Jesus' name. And so nobody heard that, but I heard it. And I grabbed onto that. And one year went by, and two years went by, and five years went by, and 10 years went by, and 15, and 18, and 19, and on the 20th year, I'm hanging on to the vision of what was spoken over our ministry life. And here, holding on to the vision allowed me not to get bitter, not to get resentful, not to lose my way, not to throw the towel, not to give up, not to forget. And so God has given us this vision to change the world. I'm happy as can be. Yeah, but you have a small church. I see, a, I see nations rejoicing. Amen. I see peoples Amen. grabbing on to follow the example that we're leading because of the vision God gave us. And people have come and people have gone. And the people that have shipwrecked in the faith, they have despised the vision. They have not seen themselves as part of the vision. They're children. They, they haven't been... Uh, inspired by the vision. And so the devil has taken them capture really easy, has made them sway, and they've left. They're no longer here. They're no longer part of this place. There's an expectation of return, and, and we know that God is able to do that. Second Kings chapter 6, verse 15. When the servant of the man got up early the next morning and went outside, there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. And this servant of the man of God said, Oh, sir, what will we do now? The young man cried to Elijah, alas, my master, what will we do now? In verse 16, he says, so he answered, do not fear those who are with us are more than those who are with them. There's a whole host. The devil always wants to show you the enemies that are surrounding you, and you cower before them. And I pray today that God would refresh your vision in this church, the first day of the calendar new year for Jewish people, that it would be the day that you say, I'm eating apples and honey. I'm going to rejoice in what God has done in our midst. I could see champions. I could see world changers rising up with giftings and talents that far surpass anything we could. See, if the devil's giving you a rockless, uh, a reckless, distorted view of what taking place upon the earth spiritually I would challenge you to read verse 17 which says Lord open his eyes Elijah prayed Lord I pray open his eyes that he might see the Lord opened the eyes of the young man the servant of the man of God and he saw and behold the mountains were full of horses and chariots of fire that surrounded them to protect them that's just what uh, Ephesians 1 19 uh, Paul says I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened Verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you might know the hope of the call, the riches of his glory, the inheritance of the saints. Verse 19, if your eyes are open and understanding enlightens them, you will be able to see the exceeding greatness of the power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. You'll see expressions of God's goodness that when everybody else is mourning and wanting you to look the wrong way, Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 17 says, It doesn't matter if the fig tree does not blossom, nor the fruit gives his vine, nor there be workers in the olive fields. 
Though their labor might fail and the fields yield no fruit, though the flock may be cut off from the fold, there be no herds in the stalls. Verse 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I will I will joy in the God of my salvation. Let's stand today. And I think God has spoken to us clearly that the power of the vision that you behold, the power of the vision that you embrace, that you grasp, is able to set you free in the coming days from all the travesties of the devil. And there is no reason why you are uh, uh, staggering behind. The Bible says as they traveled across the desert to go in the promised land, the beasts ate those stragglers. What's a straggler? I wonder if this is ever going to happen. I don't know why they have us walking so much. Look how long has passed and we don't get this place. And they straggle. And guess what happened? The beast, the destroyers came and plucked those guys off and ate them. If you're at the forefront and standing next to a guy like Joshua and Caleb, my friend, there is no way to allow the vision to dim down, to grow distorted. I, I see some of your sons and daughters married to great men and women of God that are going to do greater things because we've laid down a price. We've, we've paid the price. We're walking in a manner who says, yeah, but nobody's coming. Listen to me. They're about two and a half feet off the ground. They're following you right back and forth every day to this place. And I promise you that God is not going to see that and take it in vain. Father, today we thank you for being in the house of God. We thank you for your word. We pray that we might have clarity of vision. That we might have strength of character and conviction. Depth of conviction. That we might raise up in these last days to be part of a, of a people of God. You say in the last days you would pour out your spirit on all flesh. We are that flesh, Lord. We shall have visions. Our sons shall dream dreams. Our daughters, Father God, and maidservants shall uh, see the supernatural, Lord. That we might move in that reality, O oh God. And that the devil not put in front of our eyes, our children's eyes, false visions. Distorted self-image. A sight, O oh God, that's ungodly to behold. Allow us to put, Father God balm in our eyes that we might see eye balm medicine heal us Lord and we rebuke Satan oh God make us sober make us vigilant to see and not to be shipwrecked oh God renew our understanding of your purposes upon the land oh God give us clarity for this vision of spring of life Lord to be examples to nations to serve God with excellence, oh God, with deliberate wisdom, intentional meaning, Father God. We give you thanks for this house. We give you thanks for the call of God over this house. We give you thanks for spiritual fathers and spiritual sons that have clarity of vision. We worship you and we adore you. We exalt you today, Lord. Heal, Father God, those among us that are blind. Like the blind men that screamed across the street to Jesus. Jesus, son of man, have mercy on us. Heal us. Heal us from the infirmity of spiritual blindness. Do a work in our hearts that our heart might be filled with the zeal of God to give God our best. Now, today, Lord, not tomorrow, not next year. That we might give God our best now. And that he might be exalted through us, O oh God, and in us, O oh God. Holy Spirit, lead us, fill us. 
Fill us, fill us, that we might walk in a passion that honors you above all things. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.